This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed Podcast with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Instead of asking you, how are you? I'm going to ask you, what is the correct number of lamps to have in a living room? <laughs> I mean, I'm not all about the correct number, so it depends on the size of the river- living room, but I'm going to say um, a minimum of one and probably, you know, if there's more than 11, how big is your living room? <laughs> so you feel like you need to start questioning your lamp obsession uh, if you have 11 lamps in a non-large living room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they're small, little, like, I'm not counting, like, LED candles as a lamp. If they're, like, structural lamps that you can change the light bulb on that have, like, take-up mass. Yeah. <laughs> I, think... I mean, they all take up mass. Hi! What do you know of these Lovecraftian <laughs> lamps that phase in and out of existence? Amazing. Have no. I told you about our uh, update to our decor? <laughs> I, I was asking because about of an update uh, to our decor, The uh, what I have been referring to is our, our, our happy globes, happy balls. Uh, we got this new lamp from Ikea that is perfectly, perfectly placed in our living room to Pretty add much. more light. Uh, so I was asking just because that's what I saw out of the corner of my eye. But then I, I feel like your your answer to my question was a really great discussion of the importance of uh, subjectivity. As I asked in a jokey way, <laughs> what's the best? And you're like, well, there's this variable and that variable and this variable and those things matter. They do. Hey, variables. Uh, we are recording uh, quite early in the evening. Uh, but I'm still tired. I'm just going to be honest uh, with the listeners. I've recorded a couple podcasts today, and it's just been a lot. But I'm very excited uh, to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we are talking about something that is going on in both of our lives. So it's something I think we're both legitimately legitimately obsessed with right now. And that is the very melodramatic title of Old Skills Renewed. Uh, I was trying to think of a compact way to phrase it, and I phrased it like the chapter title for an issue of a comic book. Old Skills Renewed. Batman gets back to his roots doing detective work. Uh, What we mean by that is as we're uh, recording in this general period of time, We've both been uh, using some of the various uh, artistic skills that have been big parts of our lives in general in the past, but maybe haven't always been the biggest lately. You, in particular, are in a modern dance show coming up this weekend here Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, Pasadena. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, I am working a lot more on making some short comedy bits and short films in particular, both to put on YouTube and to try to play the uh, the film festival circuit. And I've been having a lot of fun working on those because it is stretching producing muscles, uh, stretching acting muscles when I put myself in the films. Uh, and in particular, just the whole idea of filming things uh, is obviously visual. So it is flexing a lot of visual art muscles. And then for a couple of the projects so far, I've been like, hey, I need I need this image. I could just draw that and then manipulate it on the old computer. So I've just been actually doing more drawing than I have in years and years and years. And it's been both scary and fun. So that's kind of where we were coming at for this particular episode. Yeah. Super excited. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to start with your old skills renewed. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your dance show and in the big picture, how it feels to be dancing again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, just jumping right into a little promo here. (laughs) I'm performing this upcoming weekend, November 11th and 12th in Pasadena, um, here in the Los Angeles area in a show called Pollen and with Deborah Rosen and dancers. Deborah Rosen is the choreographer. And um, It'll be at eight o'clock both evenings. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so proper. It'll be at eight o'clock both evenings. That's right. Doors open at seven thirty. Come on in. You'll be able to buy tickets at the door if you're so inclined. So stop on by. Enjoy it. Um, yeah. So it's been really, um, really fun. Really interesting to get back into this. So just kind of a little it, jumping back into my history if i may. yeah please um so i i you know this but i grew up um from about the age of 10 on as a dancer which um 
it's kind of one of those things that I kept being like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to move on and do something else. And then like, oh, nope, never mind. I'm going to be a dance major. <laughs> okay. Oh, nope, never mind. I'm going to join like three dance companies and um, had moved after college uh, to Minneapolis, Minnesota, which um, people in the modern dance community, especially at that time, were very well aware that was one of the top places to be in the U.S. for dance at the time and for the arts in general, uh, but in particular for modern dance. Um, other people are like, weird why would you go there for dance i'm like you don't get it <laughs> so i've had a lot of conversations like that or with people who are like oh minneapolis yeah that's a good dance town um and a variety of some really strong companies that have been there for ages some really good um funding at the time grants funding um so it was a fantastic place to be a semi-professional dancer um for many many years where i was juggling as i said multiple um companies that I dance with ongoing pickup companies which is kind of where you uh work with somebody just for a specific show rather than ongoing um while also doing you know other non-dance work as well yeah um as in day job type things <laughs> <laughs> historical society and uh, arts admin type things um so so that was a huge part of my life and then we moved to Los Angeles and for a variety of reasons just wasn't um the primary one of the primary things that I was trying to get to and um, but I would go take class occasionally and had started taking this class that I liked and through that met this choreographer and was all excited I was like oh well, this would be fun can I find room for this in my life can I figure out um, <laughs> getting to Pasadena uh, from the <laughs> west side where I work um, all of that and uh, we're like yeah let's try it see how it's going and you know that was February 2020 so Nobody needs to know uh, any, uh, everybody knows what happens next. Um, <laughs> Nobody wants to remember, but everybody exactly, knows. Exactly. But um, earlier this year, we started uh, rehearsing again and this piece coming together. And now I'm dancing. That was a lot of information. I feel like I've yeah. been talking for about an hour, so I'm going to let you talk. Now. That was nothing compared to some of the things <laughs> I'm capable of on this podcast and others. Uh, no, I think that was really, really great uh, background information uh, to to uh, illustrate how big of a part of your life dance was. And I, when I met you, I knew you in many different ways, but that was probably the first way I knew you or had even heard of you. Of people talk about this other dancer they knew named named Sarah Stevenson. Sarah Stevenson, uh, and uh, it was definitely like one of your nouns. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one of the things with, with our move to Los Angeles is a lot of the different creative work we had been doing was embedded in community. It was easy to find because we were parts of these circles or sometimes instigators mm -hmm. <laughs> of, you know, both producing shows and the Fringe Festival and that. And, and that, I think, is a part of the challenge of making room in your life for all the things you want to do, particularly if you have lots of different interests, is some of them you can just, if they're a personal hobby, you got a little garden and you want a garden, you can go do that whenever. And other things require community, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that has definitely been a part of, of our journey and part of what is thrilling about getting back to some of these things is, is the community aspect. Um, I think you gave a great background, but now I'm going to come back for the second half of the question, <laughs> which is do. how... Are, how does it feel to be dancing again uh, emotionally, physically? What is it What is it like to be returning to something that is uh, such a big part of your life? Yeah, honestly, it feels great um, on many different levels. Um, in terms of the, the performing, the getting ready for a show, I'm so enjoying this whole rehearsal process. Um, it's really nice to feel like, oh, this is... Um, you know, a choreographer that I feel like is both obviously a different person from whom I've worked with before, but also like this feels familiar. This is a style that works for me. Um, I like the other dancers. I like the movement. I like the, the concept. I like the music. So it's been and so just kind of on the like all those little kind of tick off the box thing, <laughs> box things, not that you always need to like all of them, but I do. So that's fantastic. Um and I had the opportunity to, a few weeks ago, Pasadena, Pasadena was doing an um, art night that they do, I think, annually, where different uh, arts organizations have just kind of like a, it's a Friday evening open house, they do different things, and the space that we rehearse in is where their show is, and they're, they were doing a, throwing their doors open and 
had invited me to do a solo that I'm doing in the show as part of that. So it was really great to get back to performing modern dance. Um, And honestly, it was great to get back to it before this weekend to be like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. But it just, it felt really great. And this is where I, it, it's um, for me, part of dancing in a particular modern dance. So I, I've done a lot of modern dance over the years. I've also done uh, comedic dance, which you and I have done here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I've danced with the CNC Variety Show and many of their shows, um, and love that. Also, I've over the years done a lot of musical theater and tap, and you know all Ballet sorts of different and things. Dance. And, yeah. yeah, so all of that is really I love all of it. I love the variety, but one of the things in particular for me for modern dance is um, <laughs> I have a. <laughs> I was trying to tell somebody this the other day and I was like, I just like, I just keep showing you things and not using my words. So I'm going to try to use my words because this is a podcast. (laughs) Joseph is going to get to watch me uh, flail with my arms as well. But it's so it's kind of almost like of the earth of like almost bringing the earth through your body, not Mm. in a like rolling on the ground way, but just like that, that connection. And this piece is um, influenced by the climate crisis so i think part of it is this piece is very much that's where i'm coming from that's a lot of what we're talking about and using is kind of where some of the movement comes from so i i'm even more in that place than normal so it just it feels so great to be so fully in my body Mm. in a way that um you know i walk i do yoga things like that that's all fun but this is like no i'm really there and getting into that point where it's muscle memory that's moving it's not my brain so you can sort of Um, enjoy the ride almost (laughs) yeah it's like Uh, when the muscle memory gets to that level of like you're not like which step is next which steps is next you're into the full flow yeah yeah it's almost like you're just you're in the flow of the movement you're it's on to me it feels almost like a just like an instinctual like you're my brain is is not my brain. My brain is being controlled by my muscles. Yeah. While this also is, still being accent, um, you know. This is such a weird comparison to that, and it is not the same thing, but it's how I can best relate. Because I've done dance, but I've never got to that point where the muscle memory is so great that I'm not thinking about like, whoop, but got to get this leg here so that one can go there, um, is, is when I played video games that I liked a lot, right? <laughs> and you get to that point where you're like, I just know that I want to leap and I want to bring a link sword down at exactly this angle with this energy, with this intent. And I, at this point, if somebody leaned over and said, which buttons you hit? Like, I don't know. I leapt in the air to fight evil. (laughs) That was the intent. And that's what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. And that's what I'm enjoying. I'm not thinking about up, you know, down BBX, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great um, because I was, I was talking to one of the other dancers about this and it's kind of in that for me and you know I don't know if I think for a lot of dancers like as you get to that point of transitioning the movement from your active memory to your muscle memory Mm -hmm. if it glitches or if you try to think of something then that's when I like I stop I mean I won't (laughs) stop during a show hopefully you never have but um but there is that like what where where am I like because it's like it's like what you just said it's like well what comes next I mean, I, is this my right foot, my left foot? I have no idea. Yeah. So. If you're in that moment of thinking, you're not yeah. in the moment of, of moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that solo is so good. Uh, it was really, really wonderful to see you uh, dance in front of an audience again. Um, you, I know your style of movement and your strengths and the great uh, energy that you exude uh, on stage dancing. I know all that stuff so well, and it was so amazing to both see that, uh, which is different sometimes than the comedic dancing, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of real, real powerful, um, you know, emotive modern dance. Uh, but then to see the choreographer's different style. So like some, some like swoops of the arm would be like, oh, wow, that's classic Sarah. Like, well, what's that weird little hop about? That's new. <laughs> that's the choreographer. But it all blended together. But for me, it was great to be able to see like, you know, it's almost like seeing some, you know, uh, bit of Shakespeare that you know Shakespeare really well, but now you're seeing a different interpretation of the delivery of it from this actor, you know, mm-hmm. is uh, really, really great. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just one other thing that yeah. I say, it's not specifically about the rehearsing, but just about kind of kind of leaving dance and then coming back to it is just in taking dance classes. And this is now is true. And I know this is 
for many people where they get too much earlier, the ideas, and I certainly had times I would, but when I was taking class, um, I always had a hard time not doing the comparison game. Mm. And I don't know if it's the stepping away or just age or just kind of like, whatever, I'm doing this for me. And it's not about, oh, this choreographer is in this class and will they, you know, now think of me for their next project and like all the stress of it. And I think a lot of it is because I am truly just doing it for myself now. But I'm now able to take classes and (laughs) just be like, I'm just here for me. Yeah. And and I mean, I don't mean that in a selfish way. Like class is always a give and take, but it's not that very hyper-focused, um, kind of always aware of other people's eyes on you. It is not a stepping stone to another thing. It is the thing. Yeah, and it, for me, it allows me to then get to f- more fully enjoy the movement and do the movement better and get the full experience of the class because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> that so. is, that's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I just want to share a little bit uh, about my journey, and then I have some Please. some group questions for the two of us <laughs> yeah, about no, returning to, to older skills. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, the the visual art and the producing are what I'm thinking about a lot. The, the acting is there too, but I think the kind of the big picture is the just, what if I make something from top to bottom? What if I make, will something into existence? Um, and I think... I've got a long history of that from drawing being like my first creative interest. I just doodled because I wanted to, and my older brother did too. And like, that's a way to express interest in things. Um, you know, very early memories of drawing pictures of Robin, uh, watching him on, on the television and reruns of the sixties Batman show and drawing Robin and, you know, having people, adults comment that, Oh, that's good. And then, you know, getting really into comic books and wanting to be a visual artist, went to college to get the visual art degree really love visual art but then i really found i love performing even more and the visual art just kind of fell fell away and i used it every once in a while when i could in shows but it was just something that like yeah i've sort of had it pinned to my life vision board for years and years and years and years to be like i'll come back to that sometime Hmm. like even in my development as a visual artist i had some ups and downs with different teachers and I, i had a great professor toward the end who was like this is what's this is what you seem to be really interested in. And, you know, no judgment, no labels, just go in that direction. And I was like, I left off in a direction. And, like, I've been wondering for now 25 years, if, like, can I pick up that direction again? And some of the stuff I've been doing is, is it, for the films is very much in that, just, like, really playing with the energy of, of lines and, and shapes and being less about being super representational. So there's that whole visual art journey. And then for the producing and acting side of it, uh, I never ever said, you know what I want to be a producer. Producing is really hard and and not always fun. It was just a function of I discovered that I liked acting. I discovered that I liked performing. I never set out to be a writer. It's just like I want to perform because it feels really good to be on stage and have that confidence, you know. Um, so I started writing and then producing just because like that's the way that I was going to be able to be in things. And I didn't even really realize it was producing, you know, to be like, oh, I have to book a venue and then I need these props and costumes and then I need to talk to these friends or these actors and I need to line this up. Oh, I need uh, postcards and oh, no, no, this is getting bigger. Now I need a budget and like all these things like, oh, that's what producing is. <laughs> uh, so there's like the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, but then there's also just the sort of... Um, emotional perspective of I am going to take the responsibility for I have an idea and I am going to will it into existence um and that I think that had been so much a part of uh my career you know I got hired to do plenty of writing and acting jobs in the Twin Cities but you know you and I had a theater company a lot of my stuff was in festivals where I produced it I wrote it I directed it uh, I hired other friends to act in it and help me out with other other things, but like I made it. And part of the reason of wanting to go to Los Angeles was just getting a little, a little sad of how uh, ephemeral theater is. It's there and it's gone. Um, and wanting to write for television and film to create something that, that lasts a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And I think I had just become burned out on producing and just being like, I'm tired of making things that I am proud of that only reach a small audience for a small amount of time. And I want to spend some time trying to sell things to the largest market possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I absolutely continue to do that. But I think that I drifted away a little bit from the joy of 
okay, I have this idea. The only thing that can stop it from becoming real is me. Then there are all sorts of huge amounts of challenges of <laughs> time and money and needing other people's helps. And there's still, you know, gatekeepers if you're submitting to film festivals and things like that. It's not like this perfect, easy thing. Uh, but I think what happened is I refound the love of wanting to create something beginning, middle, and end myself. Because mm-hmm. when I thought about doing it a little bit earlier, I've been like, but I've done that. And now after spending a lot of time yeah, having some close calls, some success of trying to sell things, that's so much about what does the market want? What does this particular person want? What yeah. does what does your manager, your agent think is best this second? What are, you know, all that stuff and just going, uh, I don't care about any of this. I have an idea. I'm going to make it. Um, in it, in that's what you're doing when you write a script, but then the script, it's really hard to be like, Hey, everybody, here's my script. I mean, you can send it out, but anyway, you know what I mean? So, uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, I didn't really think about it as a return to acting in particular, the, concept I had for this short film that I submitted to the Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland, Oregon, and they played it there and I got to see it, you know, on the big screen with an audience. Uh, I didn't really think about I'm going to get back to acting. It was like, I want this idea to exist. And I just want to do it myself. I just want to play and not, you know, rope anybody else into this idea of making more films and see how this goes. But as a consequence of that, I had to act because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was the only person available to me uh, for that idea. Uh, and it was really weird and gratifying to see myself on the screen. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean it more in a like, oh, yeah, you can do this way. And and reconnecting with uh, belief in myself and some of my abilities. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit of the journey uh, for of how I got uh, back to doing some of this stuff. And we'll see where it goes from here. I'm definitely excited for the community part of it. Uh, I have a list in my head of different people and friends I want to ask for this idea to make this short film and that idea. So I'm looking forward to working on more, producing more things also as a way of connecting with people because it can be it can be hard when you're uh, juggling lots of things to make the time. And I looking back at my life, a lot of my connections have been like, yeah, you were friends with those people and you had that event and that event because they're based on theater festivals and conventions and mm-hmm. monthly shows and uh i'm looking forward to the community of creating more things as well yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah what do you have you found getting i mean you talked a little bit with the producing but with the visual art with getting back into it and your question that you asked of yourself of can i get back into this how does it feel the same or how does it feel different coming back to that after um a longer break? Yeah, well, that is, this is perfect, because that was actually my next question for both of us, <laughs> is kind of the, what is familiar about using your skills again, and what is wobbly? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the main thing for me about the the visual art, is like, during the pandemic, I ordered a sketchbook and some better, you know, pencils and some India ink, and I did a little bit of sketching, and it was just like, ugh. It, it, I didn't expect it to be as difficult because the muscle memory isn't there of like, mm-hmm. I know how I want, I was trying to draw a cartoon squirrel for a thing I was going to do. And it's like, I know what the energy that I want the squirrel's fingers to have. And like my mind knew it and my hand was like, I get it. I'm trying. And it, my hand couldn't do it. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I don't know how to draw anymore. What's proportion? Or like, it was just like things that had been like, I think it and my hand does it. Mm-hmm. The, those wires have static in them. Yeah. Um, and and so I've been doing a little bit more uh, visual art, but in particular for this YouTube video I put out recently, uh, the short film called Peace Fight uh, that I just shot with my phone. My friends Ken Napsock and Mark Ellis helped me out with that, and that was great. Um, I had a logo I wanted for my new production company, mm-hmm. and I had a couple of other uh a couple of like most of the text is is like hand written drawn uh and i got out the india ink and put on a record and that's how i used to paint it would be like late at night and listening to actual vinyl and then just uh, crouched on the floor because i (laughs) had no desk um and i was like okay this is gonna be great and at first it was really really frustrating for like 20 minutes he's like how does india ink go again i even forgot like the consistency of this how much do i dab on there what do i like and it 
I had that moment where I could have gotten frustrated and, and given up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we'll just keep going. Just keep going. And I just made myself make the same little doodle 17 times in a row. And it started to flow again. Nice. And it was really about getting past that little hump of, yeah, you're too old. It's all gone. Forget about it, right? <laughs> uh, and getting back to feeling like you have a little bit more command than you realized. Yeah. And I think I'm still on that path with the visual art part of it. The the acting part of it, I think, is still a little closer to the surface because I did that more often. And I've done that, you know, uh, for various things over the years. I've never completely stopped acting. Uh, the producing thing is definitely, <laughs> definitely wobbly. Yeah. You know? Oh, because it's like producing work, you can't, producing work in many ways, it, you can make lists, you can do all sorts of solo work, but I I feel like producing work is mostly asking other people about stuff. <laughs> so it means sending a million open-ended emails, and I've gotten really used to, I have my podcast schedule, I do this many social media posts. I finish a script. I send it to my manager. Lots of things where I, I contain. And when I'm done mm-hmm. for the day, I'm done for the day. And producing constantly is just sending probe droids out into the galaxy and waiting to see if somebody responds. And you can't control if they respond in the middle of your dinner. And you can't control if they like. So accepting that being a producer and controlling things is also opening yourself up to a the potential to a total lack of control. Yeah. So that's been wobbly emotionally getting back to more producing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of a lot of oh man, this feels great to reconnect to things, but also in that having to deal with the the rebuilding muscles. Mm-hmm. And uh I am very curious about your balance to just you you hit you hit the floor <laughs> dancing. Or I guess wobbly in your case could be literal. It hasn't been into my eye, but What's that journey been for you? I wobbly literally, <laughs> um, as in like the literal muscles aren't there and the balance as well. As I mentioned, I have gone back to class here and there occasionally, and I am um, very lucky that a lot of like the flexibility and things like that, I just have a lot of natural flexibility. So I'm very lucky for that. And I, I have never stopped stretching and doing, you know, some yoga and some physical activity, but, um, so I was able, like, I would be able to go take class when I hadn't taken class for a year or two and be like, la, 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 here I go. I probably couldn't walk the next day, but (laughs) in class I could do everything. But in terms of, um, but yeah, the literal muscle, the other thing that was really interesting to me that had totally gone away, um, is another muscle, but it's the your memory muscle to like both in class to watch combinations. Mm. So for people who who don't go to dance class regularly, um, a lot the way that a lot of dance classes are structured is you'll have you know kind of like your opening warm up, and then maybe you'll do some phrases across the floor, and then a lot of times there will be like a center combination that you learn as part of the class, and so the teacher will teach it and you'll do it, but you need. You have to be able to pick it up and remember the order of the steps. And that part of it was super rusty. And, you know, I kind of faked my way through it sometimes in class. <laughs> but then when you get to learning choreography and it's just you and one other dancer <laughs> and there's no mirror in the studio and you're just like, wait, what do we was that right left? And then we weren't re- we were only rehearsing once a week. So it wasn't like the day after day after day. And so yeah. that that like um watching somebody do something and then the, having them go now what did i do because sometimes they don't remember either is um a skill i used to have and i'm getting back now but that one's taken the longest to get back yeah that makes a, a ton of sense yeah, yeah. As, as well as just kind of you know as would be expected some of the yeah. actual physical getting back into it and being able to do some of the things and have them look how they're gonna look now because nothing's gonna look you know just like when I was 26, things didn't look how they did when I was 18. And that's both good and bad. Like we all change as mm-hmm. performers and some things get better and some things maybe don't. And, you know, everything continues to to shift. Mm-hmm. So kind of figuring out what what dancer am I now? Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. Um, I want to just ask about the idea of 
uh, skills. <laughs> uh, in particular, the idea that skills are to be used. Mm. Um, I have a, a, a friend uh, who who I have not talked to in a while, uh, but was always very supportive uh, artist uh, friend um, who uh, I'm paraphrasing was really like really invested in the idea of talents are gifts and they should be used. They should be shared. How do you feel about that idea? Not that like there's some like responsibility and like you're going to get in trouble if you don't use that skill. But how do you feel about the idea that if you've got a skill, it's 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 uh, it's meant to be used. It's meant to be shared. It's not meant to be hidden away. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I love it. I love many parts of it. (laughs) (laughs) Which would imply there are some parts you don't. No, I think it's the, um, I think it's the, it's kind of the push pull. It's the, um, it's the finding, finding time, making time, choosing how you use your time. Mm-hmm. And then with some skills are, some skills you, you can find a way to use. And maybe it's a, maybe it's not performing. Maybe it's that you're, you know, teaching a dance class for kids. Or like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different ways to use skills or that you're using your art skills in different ways. But I think, um, but using skills sometimes does have gatekeepers. And I think there's also mm. like, how does it make, you might have a, a skill, but how does it make you feel? Right. Also to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that is the delicate part of this question is I am not at all coming at it from a, if you have a skill and you decide not to use it or you don't feel like to use it, using it, I am not saying like, <laughs> then people around you should chide you and shame you for not using your skill, <laughs> right? You people should make the choices that they need and want, right? Yeah. If you're a great singer and you don't feel like singing, it doesn't give you joy anymore. Yeah, walk away. I think it's more from the perspective. And these conversations probably came up around uh, sometimes being in a culture that is kind of like, don't brag, mm-hmm. you know, don't puff yourself up. But more that idea of if you have an inclination to using something that you shouldn't gatekeep yourself and you shouldn't let society gatekeep yourself. And I think I just found that is a, I don't know, there, there's something I'm, I, uh, I'm trying to find the right words for it. I think I feel like I am often spiritual without necessarily being committed to any specific religious doctrine. And it is one of the things that makes me feel spiritual. Mm-hmm. I feel like we all have gifts. We are talking about creative gifts in general. I don't know if producing is greater <laughs> a gift. I don't even know if it's a gift. It's just something I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like people have a million gifts. So There's some people who are just great at conversations or some people who are great at talking to kids you know there some people are great at accounting whatever your like gift is that you are truly talented at and you have you know perfected this skill up to a point to not hide it Mm -hmm. if it brings you joy it is right that you should use it and share it because I I don't know I think um I think a spiritual belief of mine is that we do all have skills and talents and they are different and they should be shared. They're what give us power. <laughs> it's being alive to to share your gifts, you know? Mm. So I think that's where this is coming from for me. It is like, it is a validation. It feels uh, to bring Star Wars into a serious conversation, <laughs> as I often do. It feels like, in some of the Star Wars stories where where an older Jedi gets broken, stories of Luke, stories of Obi-Wan, uh, and they shut themselves off from the Force. I feel like, and, and then they're reminded of like, no, you have something to contribute. It's okay if you make a mistake. You'll find a way forward. Open up, connect, use your power. Mm-hmm. Um, that Those stories feel to me like a sort of um, analogy for what I'm talking about. Of yeah. like. Uh, trying to use skills again that I've maybe denied myself for various reasons feels like I've been alone on an island <laughs> and now I'm allowing myself to reconnect to the force. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a really interesting, good way of talking about it, about it bringing you joy and about it being something that you that you want to do, that you want to share, but you feel like you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and with always caveat it's not hurting other people um but uh yeah no i with that absolutely i think there is there is a sense of 
empowerment to that idea that if you have this gift, you should share it and you shouldn't feel like you shouldn't talk about it or shouldn't, you know, yeah. should, should hide your light. Yeah. Um, and I no, I absolutely, I think that's incredibly powerful. Um, and it's fascinating to me for a lot of different things because so many things, again, kind of looking at from artistic gifts, but I mean, you know, I imagine like sports and even more so, so many things have a, um, a youth associated with them or an age or, you know, I taught, I just was saying like for dancing, I'm finding out like what is dancing now and what will dancing be in the future? And this, I love this. Um, one of the things that I love with this piece that I'm doing is there's a, there's a wide range of ages um, mm. within it, which is often unusual for dance. You know, it, if you're, you know, dancers, especially in some kinds, it's changing now, but for a long time it was, you were supposed to be young, mm-hmm. um, you know, acting unless you're going to be a character actor. You're supposed to be young and pretty. And if you're, you know, for a ton of sports, if you're, you know, 30, you're old. So I love the idea of finding ways to push past that so mm-hmm. that you can share share your skills, share your talent, find your joy, mm-hmm. and not be um, constrained by some of the um like well this is the way it should be or this is the only way that's good yeah but find the way that works for you that brings you joy and lets you share it yeah yeah, yeah. and and i and like i want to really have respect for that because i know that you know people find themselves in times of life where like i've been stressed out by something i love and i need to put it down and it i'm not advocating that people should <laughs> totally. do something that's harmful or stressful for themselves and if you said to me after this show it's like that was great i'm done with dance mm-hmm. i would leave you alone and yeah. let you make your choice but seeing you do that solo, um, there there was a great review in the Twin Cities that uh, described you as the best part of a show and called you a lanky live wire, lanky <laughs> live wire, uh, Sarah Stevens and Scrimshaw. Um, there's just an electricity to your movement. There is a power and a presence. And it's like I can see a throbbing aura <laughs> in the core of your being. It is it's so powerful and it's a gift that you have that you have honed and by using it when you want to you're putting that power out into that room everybody in that room's life was made a little bit better by seeing you use your power it was so powerful that's thank you (laughs) it's just yeah so i i think um i think there's so much in life that can beat us all down and you know we're all aware of that, and it's been an extra beaten down time in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think for me, it is just moving when I feel that validation in myself of like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can make that choice, and I can make that mark, and I can see it, and I did it, and I exist. Mm-hmm. And it is good that I did that. And even more to see that flowing from other people, you know. Yeah. It, it, I think that's where all this is coming from. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um. Anyway, so uh, are there other skills that you feel like you would like to, if you had the time in the in the space, to take out of the old box and dust off? Hmm. Um. Well, staying in the the dance world, I am one of these days going to get back to tap dancing more. Oh yeah, that would be really fun. Um. So, not right now, but at some point, which is silly to put it off because it just gets more and more out of shape. But um, once upon a time, I was a singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, to the point that I, you know, performed a lot, went to school on a vocal music scholarship. I'm never with an, and it wasn't like a big one. <laughs> it's just kind of like, here's a little bit of money, be in the choir. Um, but it's just, it fell, something had to give. Mm-hmm. It, it fell away. And I, I had some, um, you know, reasons for stepping away from that in particular. And it hasn't been a part of my life, which has been fine. Um, but I think maybe sometime, not, not an ongoing thing, but just like a sometime in the future, but those talk about rusty skills, those (laughs) skills have become, I went from singing probably daily my entire life to not singing at all for, um, well over a decade. Wow. Yeah, no, it makes a difference. And in visual art was like that for me, I would, there's been periods of like multiple years where like I doodle a little bit, but not really fully connected with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, that is great. I think for me, it's kind of an offshoot of some of the visual art stuff is I used to enjoy doing some sculpture stuff. Uh, when I was first it, going to school for visual art, I took a couple sculpture classes and I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to do this. And then I realized uh, how much physical space sculpture takes up and I'm a <laughs> collector already. And the the sculpting teacher was like, yeah, don't get into this unless you have access to at least 17 storage spaces. That's not like, uh, so I really, really liked it. Uh, that was some of my early stuff. It's a thing my dad brings up a lot when he is trying to, to help me reconnect with this stuff we were talking about old skills, uh, you know, renew just if you, if you want to do something, find a way to do it. Um, I didn't think much of it at the time at all, but I was doing a show where, um, the, one of the characters, uh, held a stuffed chihuahua at all times mm. i had written in a script and my dad was like well I, what are you gonna do about that and i was like well i'll i'll, I'll make a chihuahua out of newspaper and some wire and some duct tape and some googly eyes <laughs> <laughs> uh and my dad always brings up he's like remember when you just needed a chihuahua so you just made it <laughs> <laughs> uh so i tried to keep uh that in mind but you know i did a lot of stuff like that and I got tired. I got burned out because I'd make a lot of stuff. And then some of the shows would be gangbusters and some of the shows would have light attendance and you'd have done all this work. And he's like, where's the reward, you know? So I did get burnt out on some of it. But I've been thinking about a couple different uh, short film ideas where it's like, I kind of, I need a mask. Like, I got to really find that. Like, I know I want it exactly what I want it to be, but not being able to find it. And it's suddenly realizing, like, I, the newspaper and duct tape and wire still exist. I could probably just, build a mask you know mm -hmm. that was a really fun thought the other day of like wait i could make that in that so that sort of uh, sculpture is yeah a, is a skill that's fantastic i love that so much <laughs> um on many levels one just because i think the i the connecting back to making things mm -hmm. um i i it isn't something that i've stopped i have on and off throughout my life and i've you know, do knitting and crocheting and sewing and that kind of making yeah. of things. And every once in a while, like, had my dad help me make a vase out of wood and things like that. But I, I think the, I love hearing people get excited about making things. Yeah, uh, is a thing that excites me. So I'm very excited about that. And well, uh, yeah, you know this, but just as a random aside, like I've always wished that one of my skills were um, metal sculpture. It's not one of my skills. <laughs> I really shouldn't be left alone with the metalworking tools that you can burn yourself with. And I don't have space. So it's not a thing that I, but I, I was really good in industrial design class. Mm. <laughs> so I love, but I love this for you selfishly, because I love the idea of metalworking and sculpture. And it's not really a skill that I have, but I love it. So I can experience it vicariously through you. So I'm so excited. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's so, great. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, a drumming too. Well, I don't know if I'll ever get back to that, but that was a really fun thing that I also did for the, that the film that was at the Lovecraft festival is like, Oh, I need, I need like this sort of tense beat. How can I get that? And like, Oh, you could just drum on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so having those like, Oh, Oh, I can do that. Uh, yeah. So we'll have crafts day in the Stevenson Scrimshaw household and it'll yeah, be great. It will be, it'll be great. Every um, day. Are there skills that you are using right now in life or in your job that you're like, I'd rather not be. Yeah, I'm good at this, but I'd really rather not be using this skill. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a uh, Sarah's making a, uh, a a debate face, I think, about whether or not to share something. Um, Yeah, Um, I mean, definitely. <laughs> Look, this is a this is a friendly podcast where you can say <laughs> no comment. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm good. I just I don't. Yes, there's definitely ones that I would happily be like okay i don't need that skill anymore goodbye yeah um and you know i've done that with with some things before i over the years um did a lot of arts administration did some kind of finance bookkeeping type of stuff for people that was really fun when we had our theater company i did all the financial stuff and um i i I'm good at it. I'm very competent. I still do budget things for work. That's fine. That's different. But I'm happy to not have uh, some of that be part of my life. 
Yeah. I, the, the, the budgeting and keeping track of everything and keeping everything organized is a skill that I have. I don't like it, though. Yeah. And I'm going to have to do more of that, too. So. Yeah. I mean, I still do enough of it. But yes, there's definitely things I will get rid of. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no further uh, information is going to be given. Yeah. yeah. Uh, promotion is needed. And I'm decent at it. But it's not it's not always fun. Uh, so that that's one as well that I, that I struggle with. Is there any famous person that you wish would use a specific skill more often? Ooh. Like, do you ever find yourself in the opposite position of what, what we're talking about where we're thinking about our own skills you're watching somebody else like, that person's so good at X. I wish they'd do that more. Ooh. Um, I feel like I feel like I do. I'm not thinking of any good examples. Um, I'm going to say, too, that I this is... I apologize, this is not a great answer, but there's two specific, I don't have, I can't remember who it is that I've said this about, <laughs> but you and I have had this conversation about, um, one, some actors who are often primarily in things that are a little bit more in the drama direction, yeah. but then they're given the opportunity to do some comedy in films that, well, however they're labeled, and they're amazing in yeah. comedy. And you're like, do more of that. Like, <laughs> I don't care if it's a drama and you've got some funny lines, but like, let this person show their skills. Um, and similarly, I feel that way. There's a few people that um, have, I've felt that way about with, true to our theme, with dancing. Um, mm. where I'm like, what? They're a dancer. Let them do more dancing. And I will think of it maybe before we finish recording. But yeah. uh, I know there's a few people that we've both said that about. Yeah. In, in, in terms of like, watching uh shows with like action in them like you every once in a while i can do it you can always be like oh that actor has a dance background like in the action <laughs> scenes especially if it's like a, a kicky thing yeah. <laughs> there's some big kicks and you, you'll google it and sure enough like yep yep this person who now an actor is ballet trained since 13 and you can see it in the action scenes. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i i did spot it right away not i should have known uh, but Tom Holland is like totally a dancer. Look up. Oh yes, he was Billy Elliot. Totally a dancer. There was as we're recording. There was a great announcement of the full cast of the Acolyte, an upcoming uh, Star Wars Disney Plus show, uh, written created by Leslie Headland of Russian Doll fame. Uh, and one of the actors, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Dean Charles Chapman or Dean Chapman Charles. I forget. Uh, a lot of people know him from playing uh, uh, Tommen. Lannister in uh, Game of Thrones, but I looked him up, and he is the longest-serving Billy Elliot. Awesome! And it made me really excited, because like, okay, well, so the Acolyte's going to be it, some dark side stuff, some Jedi stuff, and it's like, he he was Billy Elliot. Is he going to be doing flips? Because <laughs> he could. I mean, that's he can. He could. Yeah. yeah. And if he, even if he's not doing flips, he can still, like, a lot of the movement is just going to have an extra layer of energy. Yeah. You know, the the spoilers for Game of Thrones, the, but there's a very specific heartbreaking move that he does that's physically perfect. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course that was Billy Elliot. That was a Billy <laughs> Elliot move. <laughs> a dark, depressing Billy Elliot move. That's but, true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think a part of uh, part of the reason I thought about this is I had such a emotional reaction on multiple levels, of course, to the passing of Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, mm-hmm. but that documentary about them came out uh, where uh, the documentarian had kind of followed Carrie Fisher, you know, around for a couple of years. Um, and seeing how much singing was just kind of a part of her own personal life. Mm. And Oscar Isaac has even talked about, like, it would be so great. You'd just be in the middle of this, you know, space scene. We'd take a break on the bridge of a spaceship and she'd just start singing some old standard and we'd start dancing around the room. And there's some moments in there of her singing and like, uh, obviously she's talked about having, you know, kind of ups and downs with it with a little bit of a, you know, expectation to be like my mother's Debbie Reynolds. So of course I'm supposed to be Debbie Reynolds Jr. You know, all that kind of stuff. But her voice is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And she had such a, a powerful soul that comes across in singing that it was just like that sort of heartbreaking of like, I wish there were 20 Carrie Fisher albums, you know? Yeah, gosh, so, that'd be yeah, amazing. That, that, I thought of it from that way. I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe she didn't want to for lots of reasons. And mm-hmm. I don't ever want to push something to do something they don't want to do. But it was just uh, one of those moments that really hit me of like, what all what all skills are people not getting a chance to nurture? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you got invited to an adult talent show in a backyard, would you go? To go watch? Absolutely. Well, it's an it's a everybody who shows up has to put up. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's no audience performer divide. Everybody who comes to the uh, backyard adult talent show has to stand up and do something. Mm. It would depend. It would depend on uh, <laughs> who is inviting uh-huh. me and if I trusted them to have it be a this is like this is a fun we're all friends we all trust each other kind of like this is is this for fun and we're all kind people or is it a we're all going to be snooty snobby judgy people yeah oh yeah I can't imagine as I guess I can why would you have a snooty snobby adult backyard talent show i mean i don't know i don't i'm not saying that i'm not i'm not saying that like some of my friends that's what they would have i just like <laughs> but you're right you you it uh, something like that would be opening uh you would want it to be a space where everybody felt safe right yeah yeah and like especially if it's something with people who are creative like you want to know like okay it's fine if you somebody does something really amazing and then you just do something kind of silly, like you just recite some limericks. And that's okay. Because maybe some days that's what I want to do is just recite some limericks. A lot of days that's all I want to do. Yeah. Um, no. And I would want that to be okay. It would be really great because, yeah, you'd, it, if I got invited to something like that, I'd be like, ooh, okay, how, how exactly is this being handled? Is this like a real casual thing? Or is everybody bringing their A game? Is this all performers who are used to performing? Is this like uh, for not not for people who perform all the time, but want to do things like, you know, is this, you know, stand up and show us the weird thing you can do with your fingers? Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, or is it like, here is my monologue that I've been doing for 15 years. And it's, you know, like, or is it just like, hey, it doesn't matter. We all have talents. We're we're going to put that aside. And we're just going to get everybody up to stand up and feel good about themselves. Yeah, that totally. And I I would love to have it be like everybody get up and do something that's not the thing you normally do. Yeah. You know, like you're normally a guitarist. Great. Stand up and read a poem. Or, mm. you know, you're normally a dancer. Great. Go tell a joke. Like, yeah. not in a like put somebody on the spot way, but just kind of have it be a little bit fun to have everyone a little bit outside of their comfort zone and maybe find something new that they love in the process. Yeah, no, I would love that. And I want to be very clear. That sounds like a fun idea. I would be deeply challenged if I were invited to it. I, I would, say, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I would be would like, mm, I would do, I would do such deep investigation of who is putting it on <laughs> with what intent, who else mm-hmm. is going to be there. <laughs> so if we had a backyard, would you put that on? Would yeah. we put that on? If and I then we frame it right. The, boundaries yeah if i could frame it right and it'd be like this is we're gonna play we're gonna like when you were a kid and you're just like my my talent show is i i show you this wooden this stick i found that i think it looks like a sword and i pose three ways bye like if could truly get a bunch of adults to unlock that spirit of just f it let's have fun Mm -hmm. i'd be fascinated by that yeah And and you weren't running into people being like i'm gonna do an eight minute <laughs> Sondheim song and I'm going to stop this show. Like, yeah. you know, or if you have a bunch of people like we're all performers and for fun, we're going to try to knock each other's socks off. Yeah. You know, great. Either also. one of those would be fine for me. Yeah. You know, but the mix in between is what might be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and defeat the goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to go back and clarify, not boundaries, intentions, where we would get to help guide the intentions of the evening. Yes, the intentions. That's yes. very good. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my final question for you is, if you were like the doctor from Doctor Who mm-hmm. and you could regenerate, and in my uh, personal opinion of uh, the show Doctor Who, the doctor is always the same character, but different of their qualities, their skills, their interests take the forefront. Mm. So nothing that has been the doctor ever goes away entirely, mm-hmm. but certain elements of the doctor are emphasized or re-emphasized in each regeneration. Yeah. So if you were like the doctor and you were regenerating, you're still you, but there's a new emphasis. Yeah. What skills would you like to put at the top of your, what would you like your next regeneration to be all about? Okay, here's the one that came to me first. This is not a thing we've been talking about at all so far. I want to be like the like super intense scientist version of me. Ooh, yeah, I like that. You really, really focus on uh, uh on your ability to to keep track of things that's what a scientist does right <laughs> but i mean you uh, 
I'm tired. You're uh, <laughs> you're talking earlier about your your business acumen, right? Mm-hmm. Which and that is science in a way, right? Yeah, but I mean more like like natural world scientists, oh. like like almost like like those old stereotype of like the mad scientist like i'm gonna like not like frankenstein kind of mad scientist but like i'm this like i'm just gonna be kind of focused and so into this and i'm absolutely gonna dive down into like what worms live in this part of australia versus this part of australia or whatever the thing is um you know or something like that i want to be the like super intense focused scientist i think that is great uh I think if I regenerated, I would want to become obsessed with singing again. I love mm-hmm. the idea of singing. I wanted to be a singer until I realized that I was pretty damn tone deaf. I think I probably have a range of like five or six notes that I could can accurately hit. So I would like my regeneration to be obsessed with uh, finding somebody to write songs <laughs> <laughs> that only use these handful of notes that I can possibly sing and then enjoy singing those songs. Be lovely. I will come to those concerts. Uh, they're not going to be concerts. They are going to be backyard adult talent shows that the doctor puts on. Uh, any other thoughts on the the theme of uh, old skills renewed? No, this is really fun. I'm excited to come up with some other old skills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, can you make a noise to sum up your interest in old skills renewed? Whoosh. That's a hand flourish. Oh, yeah. That's very... Any skill. I feel like after any skill that you've done well at, if you're an amazing chef, whoosh, the hand goes up, mm-hmm. right? If, if you're great at Rubik's Cubes, <laughs> the hand whoosh. goes up. <laughs> and uh, let's get to the obsessed rating on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. How obsessed are you with this uh, idea? I mean, after this podcast, a lot more than it was an hour ago. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll give myself a seven and a half. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give myself a 10. Uh, I think it's one of the ways that I'm trying to keep myself motivated um, because the the way that uh, I get held back on, on wanting to use skills is, is the fear of like, oh, they're going to be rusty or maybe you were never as good at them as you thought you were, you little egomaniac. Um or the like, what if you pour all this work into making something and then five people watch it? And like, that's a part of the reason that has made me retreat a little bit of like trying to feel, you know, like, like you're like you're making a mark. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, I I am thinking about it. Uh, I thought about it as the topic of the podcast because like I felt it so much watching you dance. I've been feeling it talking to other friends about what they want to do and mm-hmm. just and in wanting to be a cheerleader of like go do it uh so it's something that's truly on my mind and i think it's something that it's important that i stay obsessed with mm-hmm. so this is a very intentional obsession <laughs> <laughs> level of 10 and we're on to the plugging section uh where can you be found i can be found on stage at arc a room to create in pasadena this friday and saturday november 11th to 12th Doors open at 7.30, show begins at 8 p.m. Um, there will be a few solos in the first half that I am not in, but don't worry, you're still in the right place because <laughs> after a brief pause, or I don't know if it's actually an intermission, is the uh, five-part piece called Pollen, and that is what I'm in. Mm. Um, and if you're not local or just not able to come, which is fine, uh, you can also find me um, online sometimes at Instagram, uh, at Scrim Street. Nice, nice. And the best ticket link is easily found uh, just by what, falling? Yeah. So if you go to Brown Paper Tickets mm. and search Pollen <laughs> in Southern California, it'll show up. Nice. Otherwise, it's pollen1122.brownpapertickets.com. Wow, you are just a plugging machine. You got it memorized. Uh, you can follow me on the social media. Uh, Instagram is great right now. I am staying on Twitter for now to see kind of where the chaos lands. Uh, but if you want to follow me some other places in case Twitter just entirely falls apart, Instagram's a great option. Uh, TikTok is a great option. I'm on Mastodon. I don't understand how to tell you where to follow me on Mastodon. It is a little, uh, it's not that confusing. But compared to other social media, there's some hoops to jump through because you got to sign up with a specific server. So you can't just search for a person. You have to know their instance. Uh, it's a whole thing. So try to find me on Mastodon. I dare you. <laughs> and then tell me how you did it. Uh, 
And then, of course, you can follow Obsessed uh, Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. Uh, in particular, YouTube right now is big for me. Uh, you can just go to YouTube and search Joseph Scrimshaw, or the direct link is youtube.com slash C slash Joseph Scrimshaw Comedy. Uh, got some episodes of Obsessed up there, have some uh, comedy bits, including, hey, seasonally, our uh, five-minute nutcracker that you danced hey, hey. Uh, to my little comedy summary of the show, uh, Nutcracker. So you can check that out, as well as the the short I've been talking about, uh, Peace Fight. Uh, I did another uh, comedy bit there recently. Uh, that is about this Halloween serial I'm obsessed with, and I did a bunch of drawings for that, and that was really, really fun to do. So uh, check that out if you're interested. Subscribe, like, all, all those things, comment uh, that make a difference to uh, our <laughs> our great overseer, the algorithm. Uh, you can also support not only Obsessed, but the short films I'm doing, uh, some plans for some scripted podcasts, some other writing. You can support all of that by uh, supporting us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. All right, final question, as always, is what is happiness? Happiness is that feeling when you get to minute 21, when you're trying to pull out that old skill renewed. You've done your 70 line marks, like you said, <laughs> and you don't get up. You keep going, and you feel it starting to come back. That is a great answer. Uh, happiness for me has been doing this podcast and the the pizza we're going to eat now. That is also <laughs> happiness. Thank you all very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So we talked about uh, uh, adult backyard talent shows. Did you do actual talent shows as a kid? Um, I mean, I was in a few school talent shows where I p- took them seriously, and I don't know if everybody else did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I used to, a friend of mine and I, we used to put on plays in her backyard. Like, we would invite the neighborhoods over, and we're like, we would we would produce the show and be in the show, and we would put on, I think, like, plays or little talent shows or things like that. So, yeah, totally. See, uh, another of your skills we didn't get a chance to talk about, stage managing. <laughs> stage managing since back in the day. Mm-hmm.